you lot. You live in the garage, Hammer. Episode 230. On tonight's episode, the Mudlings take you on a history lesson where they're going to bring the people who came through from the old world into the new realms. And they're going to spell out some of the histories and what brought them through and what happened with them. For those of you who are maybe new to the realms, and maybe those of you who are not so new, it could be a fun walk down memory lane or something like that. I don't know. All I know is there's not enough dwarves and there's way too much pointy ears. So shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next two hours or thereabouts, we'll do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Bringing you one step backwards to take two steps forward. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I am the man. How do you like that? Is that confident or what? Is that amazing? Is that fantastic? I'm the man. Step up, sucker. Understand? Don't you know that I'm the man? Calm down, white boy. <laughs> How are you, Alex? Um, yeah, I am. Man, vacation looks good for a while. Um, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I am wonderful. Let me just say that. Wonderful. Um, I got two weeks left of school before break. I got all the kids working on projects before break. Uh, I got so much going on, I don't even have time to pay attention to whether or not I'm doing well. I'm going back to school, it looks like, next month. After, well, you work at a school. No, I'm going back to get my master's, finally. Oh shoot! That's I, awesome. Yeah, no, I no, I've been teaching for seventeen years. I should have had a master's like ten years ago. I started working on it. Then the kids were around. Then the kids, uh, you were taking up a lot of my time. And then it was one of those things where I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it. And then I've been past couple of years applying at other places, just trying to look for something new. Mm-hmm. And basically got told, yeah, you don't have a master's. Literally, no one's going to even look at you. And so now uh, I'm going back. I'm starting school again next month. Nice. It looks like. it. Fingers crossed. If, if work approves it and I can get this stuff done, uh, I'll be doing it. I have two options I have to figure out. If I, if I, if I do it so school pays, for, work pays for all of it, it's going to mm-hmm. take me like six years, which is stupid because I could literally do it in 18 months. Uh, if I want to pay for it. So I'm, it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. So, so I can get work to pay for about half of it or so. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's been a crazy busy uh, time here at the White Tech House as I'm, as I'm trying to get back into school and stuff. Not that any of that has to do with this, but I'm kind of excited about it. So Okay. Um, I guess why don't, we, uh, why don't we just move this along, man? We got stuff to do. We we do have a lot to talk about tonight. <laughs> um, so, as always, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstore. 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 Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your basic needs. Hi, Kevin. 
Hi, Kevin. <laughs> and Grognard Games in there's, Roselle, Illinois. There's always something happening at Grognards. You see, that's great. Is it? That's great. <laughs> Rotor's convinced that they're going to cancel their uh, their <laughs> sponsorship if I don't come up with a better. No, man, it's great. I like it. Yes. I just keep picturing like a sort of a 50s vibe with like like chicks just sort of singing that and then it kind of there's always something ha- and then like a little bell ping, you know, crocknards. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know why that is the thing that sticks with me, but it's what it is. And we're not doing a rap about it. I'm telling people right now for those of you on the Facebook page. Christopher, Chris, you and I tried that crap about 150 episodes ago and it was a terrible idea then and it's just as bad of an idea right now. So, uh, how about that? Um, we should probably thank the Patreon patrons too because those guys are awesome. Uh, Patreon patrons, thank you to everybody who has become a patron or has been a patron or is currently a patron because those of you who make up the almost 1% make this show and all the things we do on it uh, possible. And I personally want to come out and thank our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, and Christopher Sanders, our new executive producer, Colin Miller. Colin um, has been uh, uh, has been helped out the show before. But now here he is at the uh, at the bananas executive producer level, uh, and we also did get a uh, a new patron. Uh, we have the first one we've had a new patron in a month. Uh, the associate, a new associate producer, no less, Lance Parr or Pear, P A R E. I'm not 100 percent how to sound, how to pronounce it. I should have to. I should ask him. Um, but thank you to Lance and to Colin and to everybody else, each and every one of our patrons who make this show what it is. So, thank you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, do you know that we have voicemail, Alex? Did I tell you about this? Yeah. <laughs> Once or twice, maybe? Once or twice, but, you know, I just can never remember the phone number. Oh, well, that would be 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. If you are an international caller in most countries, it's 00, and then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. And you can call and leave a voicemail on the voicemail line for us. If uh, if you so wish, because that's what we like. We like voicemails. Um, we haven't. Oh, you know what? We haven't gotten a new voicemail since mid November. So, hmm. Uh, uh, I don't think we have a new voicemail. So well, that's a shame. Yeah, I, I can't remember if we played this one in the last episode or not, but we don't have anything since then. We have not gotten any voicemails in December, but if you want to call and leave one, I'm certain that we would love to hear it and that we would probably, as long as it's appropriate, put it on the air. So there you go. Uh, should we take a break here? Yeah, that might be a good idea. Uh, why don't we uh, take a break? And when we come back, 
Um, it's the toolbox. We'll be right back. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back with the Toolbox, brought to you by... Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Wow, okay. <laughs> All right, so, uh, it is the Toolbox. Uh, so, uh, I guess we start off with Hobby. You got some Hobby? Yes. Um, so, I've been painting a lot. That has been my jam as of late. Uh, it's just been painting, painting, painting. So just this morning I finished up six sneaky snufflers because you always need more sneaky snufflers. Six sneaky snufflers. Oh, God, don't you start with that. You, hey, um, that was three S sounds in a row. It was not only alliterative, but it fits. So I had to do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I also uh, painted up a... Flesh Eater Court's Warband for Warcry, as well as the Grimwatch for Warhammer Underworlds. Nice. I did them all at the same time. Just knock it all out, make it nice and simple. That's... So I noticed you... Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. I noticed uh, you go uh, on Twitter, you've been posting your big hobby streaks, right? Mm-hmm. Does that help motivate you just like to keep Ticking up that number on Twitter. And I'm not picking on you. I see a lot of people who do this. And I mean, there's people who's like, Hobby Streak Day, number 722. I hobby, hobby all the time. Hobby, hobby, hobby. And I'm just like, I don't. It Actually, that would that would make me want to hobby less because I would suddenly feel obligated. So, so it's a two, it's a double-edged sword, um, really. Ow. The big thing is it keeps you motivated. Because it's like you want to see how high you can rev that streak. Um, but also, it's just keep doing something, even if it's small, to keep yourself motivated, to keep yourself vested in the hobby. Um, but also, I can understand where it would just drive people crazy because then it becomes an obligation. And if you're not okay with like having that obligation or that one stupid little post every day, mm-hmm. um, I can see how it would be like, well, screw that. I don't want to keep up with that. But it helps me like keep track of my progress and then to keep myself going. So for me, it works. See, and I think to, 
And this is just me. I just feel like once I got to a certain point, like once you get over like 100, I guess, maybe. You know, I, I mean, I'm picking a random number here. I, I don't know. But it's like once you hit that certain point, then my question is, you know, it, am I am I hobbying just not to break the streak? Am I is is it legit hobbying or am and I'm not trying to put into question anybody who's got a streak over a hundred. You I mean God bless you. If you can hobby every darn day and you're in a streak and you're getting up to, you know, six months, nine months, a year, two years, whatever, good on you. Um I just it almost feels like to me, I would just be doing it just for that, just to hit the next number, you know, and then it would become more, then it would become less about the hobby and more about me hitting a number. And that's just me personally. I know that's that's how it would go for me. It would it would turn from a motivator into a chore, and then eventually, once you hit certain numbers, it would be a chore, but also a bit of a brag. And I just, uh, I just, that's I I can't do it. I do well, the keep, thing, I the do thing is, is I, do. I know I'm not going to catch up to people like. Steve Herner or Dana Howell or whoever who have like these streaks that are in like the three to 600 range. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm not, and, and, I'm not and I'm not disparaging those people. No, 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 uh, no. You know what I'm but saying? If it's they, like if, at a certain point, it's just helps me keep going. Even if it's just like 15 minutes laying down a base coat or something just to make sure that I'm doing it, especially since my time is so much more limited now. Um, as we're revving into Adepticon, is I've got the baby. So for me, it just helps keep me in the game. I see. Interesting. I was just curious because I thought about that, and I actually, for I was, I, you know, I started keeping a log in my little book that says, uh, you know, plans for world domination on it, and. I started keeping a log, but then it was like, well, what counts? And then it became crazy because then I was separating out. I was like, okay, this day I painted, this day I was building, this day I was recording for the show, this day I was reading a book and taking notes and, and setting up all this stuff for the show. And that counts as hobby too. And then it just started to become, I started to realize it's like, oh my dear Lord, I don't want to know anymore because I swear it's like, you know, I should be helping my daughter learn how to do math and not doing this. <laughs> it's like... It actually totally backfired on me. I'm like, I spend too much time on this. I probably should like be a dad or something like that. And and you know, that was yeah. actually that was actually that was the first time where I thought maybe I should think about calling it quits, doing the show, and actually like you know, do something. You know, that's just me. I mean, it totally backfired on me. It made, I'm like, no, you know, maybe I just don't want to know how much time I spend doing this. Yeah, I mean, I can suppose that perspective can make it a little depressing um <laughs> but i think the at least for me it works or i can just use this as my motivator but i'm also only hobbying when the baby's asleep or when i'm at work that's a good way to do it because i hobby when i'm on hold because oh, like no. i spend all day with insurance companies on hold and some of the companies have like up to two or three hour hold times. That's bananas. Yeah, but no, I did um, the same thing. I would I would have to call places in one of my old jobs, and I would sit on the phone sometimes for forty five minutes, and I would pull out a book and I would start reading, and then my boss would come by and be like, "You can't read while you're." I'm like, "I'm literally sitting on hold. I cannot do anything else." Well, you can't yeah. do that either. Okay. Mm-hmm. And with how our computer system at work works, I can only have one chart open at a time. Oh, so well, that's great. I literally cannot do anything else. So for me to just sit there and 
clean off mold lines or something. That's awesome. Yeah. So, cool. Any event. How about you? What have you been up to? I so yeah. Uh, let's see. I've been working on my night haunt. Of course, I have. Uh, I think I said this last episode. I picked up two more of the the uh, Soul Wars box sets, and you got a couple of pieces from it, and I got the rest. Um, I started putting together all my numbers. I think I need like ten more. I have a hundred and ten of the chain rasps. I think I need one twenty. <laughs> Why are you laughing? That's a lot of ghosts. Oh no, it's it's amazing. I've got so much stuff. In fact, if I do an entire night haunt procession, I would still have Lady O, Kurdos, uh, a Knight of Shrouds, three Knight of Shrouds on steeds, three Guardians of Souls, three Spirit Torment, two Dreadblade Heralds, two Executioners, a Tomb Banshee, and a Karen Wraith left. Outside of that hole, which is a Shroud Guard battalion, and then six more battalions in any order, I literally just went with one of each, um, and I can I can do that. But then my units, like for those two chain rasp ones, it's like a forty, two twenties, and a thirty, and I would rather do two forties in one and two twenties in the other. But then I need another ten. But yeah, I got a lot, and I and it's <laughs> you know custom basing. <laughs> is a fine and noble endeavor. Taking models, trying to do a base that's something fancier than just doing, you know, sand and flock, which is is perfectly acceptable, but I just grew so tired of sand and flock, and then I tried to do that texture stuff that they have and do the sterling mud or something like that, and it was just, I made a hot mess out of it. So here I am now rolling out bases with these uh, Green Stuff World Rollers. Oh, man, this was, you know, you should I should have really sat down and said, how many models am I going to have in this army? Oh, almost 300? Yeah, this is a dumb army to do rolling out bases for. So I rolled out bases for all this stuff, and I based those two sets. Uh, I built and based those, yeah, those two sets. Um I am. I got to tell you, I am really fortunate in that the a lot of these models, the uh, you know the the quick uh, the quick easy to build stuff, they all have textured already made up bases, um, but they are they are not too terribly dissimilar to the ones I just decided to make on my own, so. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm lucky in that I the ones that come with the fancy bases I can just leave them on their pre-made fancy bases and they all kind of fit together. But that was that's what I'm doing is getting these done. Um, oh, I also everything that it, I got was I'm looking I'm looking there's about 75 models here that uh, I started painting. I was going to paint it at Warhammer Club, but I got a couple of kids who got into painting. And started painting up uh, just Underworld's crews just to learn how to paint. Dude, it was so cool. <laughs> like, showing, okay, we, we put on base coats, you know, and they're putting on the base coats and it looks kind of flat. And then we I, we hit them up with the, uh, with the wash. Mm-hmm. And suddenly all the little details started to stick out, you know. And the kids freaked out. They're like, oh, my God. And then we went back in. I showed them how to just dry brush on some highlights, you know, to, to lighten it up. 
And the kid, I had two students, and just painting up a storm, right? I mean, it. We, I mean, club only meets for about ninety minutes after school every week, right? This kid in in two, in in about two two and a half hours, the uh, the original box set, the the corn. Um, what's the name? You know that I know you know what it is. The Shadespire starter box. Yes, with Garrick's Reavers and Steel Hearts Champions. Yes, Garrick's Reavers. That's it. Uh, you know, he's only spent like two, two and a half hours on Garrick's Reavers, uh, and they're they're based and they're primed, and a couple of things have a few highlights, but so exci- like taking pictures. Is it okay if I take pictures of this? Sure, go ahead. He's like, this is so cool. I've never done anything like this. Watching the kids' eyes light up when they realize how a couple of, you know, just a couple of coats, a, a wash, you know, a, a base coat, a wash, and a dry brush can bring out so much and then they're looking at the pictures online and they're like well that's not like this and i'm like well no but those that has like eight more layers per color do you want to do that or you know like we i can show you how i can't i can't do it (laughs) but you can watch the videos and we can show you the tutorials you can see how it's done and you can start working that way if you want if you want to start going with the fancy detail and they were wise children and said maybe later but right now they just want to get another thing painted because they want to get through all the sets that they have for Warhammer Club, so that because they they at, at the tender age of seventeen realized the game is much cooler fully painted, and they could probably get more kids into the game if they were looking at something that wasn't all gray plastic. Agree. So that's been my hobby. A lot of stuff I've been building and doing. I wish I was painting more, but uh, it was very cool to be sort of coaching the kids at school in some painting. So that's about it. Have you been uh, you've been playing some games? I know you've been very busy with the little princess. So, uh, yeah, I was supposed to head up to the Plunging Spires narrative event uh, for Warcry up in Madison, uh, put on by the Mortal Realms crew. But Joni decided to get her first fever that weekend, so I had to drop out the day of. Which, as an event organizer, chafes me because. Like, they're counting on certain numbers for their event, but at the same time, i got to take care of my kid. Um, So then I tried to uh, play in a Underworlds tournament at Grognards, because there's always something happening there. Yes, there is. Uh, So I went and played a game using Garrick's Reavers, um, and I had to drop after the first game because Joni started having a fit, and Carrie couldn't get her to calm down, so I drove back home after the first game um i lost horribly but that's besides the point um but the bit of gaming that i did get successfully was i drove down to uh the holy hammer hq and got in a pair of triumph and treachery games of Warcry with uh herner and joe pecoraro and oh, really holy smoke is that a fun triumph and treachery system Really? See, I haven't played with more than two people, so it works. Yeah, with Warcry, you get the primary objective or the table, um, but then each player on the table picks a secret objective for themselves. Okay. So you're not necessarily trying to play uh, Screw Your Neighbor, like traditional Triumph and Treachery, but it's how do you set things up, the timing, uh, order operations, and how are you still achieving your warband-specific goals in the scheme of 
playing with more than one other person. So it was both games are really enjoyable. Um, Joe played uh, Iron Jaws for both games. Um, and then Steve played the Corvus Cabal for both. I did the Unmade for the first and Night Hunt for the second. Um, oh, how'd that go? Uh, Night Hunt won on the last turn because of their ability to summon models out of the ground um, when they're dead. Oh. So the last turn, I flew my leader over into... Uh, Steve's quadrant and I summoned one of the guys back to the battlefield and that tipped me over the threshold to score that objective because I had the most models <laughs> using a model that had died turns earlier and it's like yep okay sure and then the unmade um, they didn't make it nope no <laughs> Um, apparently Iron Jaws are kind of ridiculous, <laughs> um, in this game. So, and Joe, God bless him, but he kept rolling like fives and sixes on his wah. So oh, for those no. who are not familiar with that particular thing, it adds the value of whatever that roll is to the movement characteristic of all Iron Jaws for the next many inches of your leader. So... Iron Jaws go from moving three inches to moving nine inches is kind of <laughs> silly. Well, those things happen. Yeah. If you get them all fired up, that's what they do. Yeah. And then they've got a nifty little double where it's like you can just make a charge move for free. Um, where you get like a bonus six inch move for like a double. It's like, <laughs> What? What? Well, that's great. Okay. So, no, it was an absolute riot. Um, you really hope to play games more. Cool. So, so, um, I have not done pretty much any gaming since we played last. I mean, that's the story of my life. But, um, you know, we were playing a lot of board games while Harrison was here, and then since he's been gone, I've been just trying to get stuff ready for for Christmas break. Uh, I've been doing that stuff, so no gaming, just everything around the actual gaming. A lot of that, just no gaming. So, you got any other? Um, I'm reading the Sacrosanct collection of stories. Um, and then I also finished the Warcry anthology. How was that? That was amazing. Really? Yeah, fantastic book. I haven't read that one. Yeah, no, that one was really good. Um, so I'm starting into Sacrosanct, and I'm almost done with it. Um, it's nice to read a book again. <laughs> Just like an actual book. So, No, I hear but, you. No, it's that's really been about it. I've not done a whole lot of anything else. So, I got you. It's been a busy, been a busy time. I get it. We all get it. Um... Jeez, I thought I had another. I could have sworn I had another. I should have probably written it down. It's okay. Because now I can't it. remember it. Yeah, it can't be that important. But um, if I think Is it Adepticon? It. Well, Adepticon is coming. I suppose that is in the news. I did register and got myself a badge today. So I still haven't registered. I'm a really bad organizer. <laughs> um, so we had the champs sell out. 
They did. 232. They're already sold out. Yeah, I think we are at 232 or 229. And that's that's not even eight hours ago that opened up. And I'm certain it didn't just, just sell out. Um... Or did it? Did it take eight hours? It did take a little while this time, actually. Um, I don't know if it's because of the new queue system that they used, um, where you could like essentially get in line early, and then they would tell you when you got to register. So you they did like a Gen lot Pond of like does? pre, yeah, yeah, that's... through C event. So I think that might have helped, but regardless, yeah, it uh is gone. So. Um, or very wow. shortly will be. So that's massive. And the team tournament hasn't sold out yet, but there's a lot of teams on there, um, which is very humbling for me that enough people would take the leap with me on that event. Because I think we sold like 70 spots for the teams. So, but you got to figure that's a four player event. So that's right. 280 people. And how many teams can you? Like what's what's the upper like what's the cap on teams? How many? Ninety, 90. to a hundred. Ninety to a hundred. Okay, somewhere in there, because we have a hundred and ten tables worth of terrain, okay. and then some. So, interesting. Yeah, we have a few. Um. And I know there are some people that are like, well, why aren't you doing a Vanguard this year? Um, it's like, well, I only have so many staff. And <laughs> honestly, we should be looking at the other events at Adepticon or else, heaven forbid, you guys take a day off, relax, go to a seminar. Like there's tons of other stuff. And we have a lot of stuff for Warcry, for Underworlds. Like there's just so much at Adepticon and I... I don't know. I don't want to choke it up. I get so. you. It makes sense to me. Mm, yeah, that's probably a bad sign. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the only other thing of other mm-hmm. is Games Workshop put out a mini game called Path to Glory, um, which is far better than the skirmish supplement Path to Glory. <laughs> So um, they put this out in uh, to coincide with the Slaves to Darkness book. Hmm? Every army book. Here's some of the cool rules. Oh, now before you get to your stuff, here's some Path to Glory stuff. Skip, 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 skip. Yeah. I mean, if it's your thing, rock on. I just don't see it. Yeah. I, um, I, I, uh, I, I, want, I want to love it. It's my sort of thing. And I mm-hmm. just and I just don't. Yeah. So um, – I had looked at this and it's like, oh, Dave and I could totally do this live on air, make up the narrative as we go for our fighters and just see how fast we can die. Or how fast we can serve, we can become gods. Dave, I know how each one of us rolled. Uh, I'm, 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 I got this. I got this. I'll race you to death. All right. All um, right. So, so we're starting off as a lowly chaos marauder. Or yes. aspirant warrior from a dark oath tribe in the eight points. I will happily be a chaos marauder. 
and my name will be Tim. <laughs> Tim the Chaos Marauder. Ugh. Some people call me Tim. Okay. So, I am Tim the Chaos Marauder. And if you've not seen this game, it's on the Warhammer Community website. Search up mini game Path to Glory. Um, so when you start this game... Okay, this game you literally just roll two dice and see if you live or you die for every stage of the game. Super simple, kind of fun. What's your name, Almighty oh Warrior? We'll go with Zaztrak. Zaztrak. Okay, Tim... V. I'm writing this down. How do you spell Zaztrak? Is that three Z's or four? Z? You know, I don't rightly know. <laughs> oh, uh, I forgot he can't read. Z A Z Z T R A K K. All right, here we go. Now, first thing we do is we take our two dice and we're going to roll. Now, I, I suppose we're not necessarily battling each other. We're just both no. struggling to reach. Now, the whole premise of this game, I suppose you should explain, is you start off as a lowly chaos dude, you know, probably bare-shirted with uh, armor on your pants or on a shoulder, and that's like it. And eventually you are trying to reach... Uh, a demon prince. Demonhood. Demon prince. And it's, it's like you got to get through through the, sta- the several stages. So you just roll a dice and you check the chart and it says what happens. So shall we? Roll our 2d6. Absolutely. What'd you get? Glory is mine. I have become a chaos warrior. I have proven myself. And you are going and to stage now two. a mighty foot soldier in the legions of chaos. Zaztrak is beating a path to, to glory. Uh, I rolled a five, so I survived, but I have not caught their attention. I'm going to roll again, adding one to the die of my hard-won experience. And that's an eight plus one is nine. Glory is also mine. Zaztrak looks behind him, and as he hears more people screaming, more people dying, out from the wreckage, the, the comes wreckage from the Tim. steaming awful, uh, coming from the open wounds on all of his enemies, comes Tim. So now we are both chaos warriors. Da-da-da! We both passed level one. And now we have been granted with gifts of armor and better weapons. And Zaztrak has his Zaz Blaster and Tim Zaz Blaster. <laughs> Listen, if we're making up the narrative as we go, this is the best I got, man. Why would it be a Zaz Blaster? Uh, I mean... Uh, Cast doesn't shoot. No, but I'm thinking that he swings this big, like, sort of hammer, and if he swings it well, uh, it summons down fire and blood. He's not that cool yet. Well, okay, so it just summons a little uh, some uh, uh, sparks. (laughs) It's it's a zazz. I have a flint and steel. Thanks, Dave. Well, all right. I'm just trying to help. I know. Good lord. All right. So, our next battle. What are we going to fight for this next one? Uh, I don't know. 
But as a chaos warrior, we are expected to take on bigger and better things and not just kill women and children. So, uh, by the way, that was all we killed back there, apparently, was women and children. So now we are going to go take on, um, let's, let's go take on, you know what? We will go in and let's go attack that, that other random barbarian horde out here in the, in the chaos wastes. You see, there we go. Prove our superiority over another tribe. Yes. So where we go. And. Crap, I dropped my dice. Hold on. How do you drop dice? Well, I I, I went to roll them and they actually just kind of went in both directions all out. It's two dice. I know. You should see me with a handful of 40. I'm freaking dangerous. Hold on. I know. Oh, it looks like I passed all my saving throws, but I need to do better. I need to make another combat roll because I just got survived again. Ten! Glory is mine! I will be a chaos knight as I kill and kill. Now, the women and children are dead. I got all the old men <laughs> and a couple of the young men. I'm going to leave the hearty and hale ones for you with the Zaz Blaster. Except they're... Stuck under my feet as I roll a nat 12. You rolled a natural 12? Yeah, I'll send you the picture. The, I'm I, looking I, right I, at I, it. I, <laughs> Listen, if you're going to cheat on this game. Yeah, if I cheat on this game, I mean, <laughs> this is really this, amazing this, that's stuff. Super sorry. Um, but but look no, his- I'll be walking over the corpses beneath my iron shod feet. Oh, geez, you rolled a natural 12. That's why I killed all the old men. That's all you left me. You're welcome. As I come marching through. So we become chaos knights. So we're gifted with horses. My horse's name is Philip. And he's black. He's a black, dark black horse named Philip. It's Tim and Philip, and we are going to rampage. What's your horse's name? He doesn't have one. Are you riding him through a desert? Well, the chaos waste and a horse with no name. <laughs> if you make it all the way through the chaos waste, you got you. <laughs> that's on you if he does. <laughs> you haven't given him a name by then. It's not like you have anything else to do except kill whatever comes with you after you. So, are we going through the chaos wastes? Okay, I would because we're trying to get to the Varen Spire. Okay, so there we are, a couple of knights riding through the wastes, fighting monsters and 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 gargants and 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 mutilith vortex beasts. That's what I'm taking on, by the way, mutilith vortex beast. What are you fighting? You have uh, your pick. Let's go with a slaughter brute, just to mix things up a bit. Slaughter brute. All right, here we go. Um, since we're cast knights, may I say charge? Yarp. Ugh. Well, I think I ran into the Slaughter Brute's claw pretty hard, um, so I have been injured. Oh my god, so, so have, to... have I. Yay! So that means we have to roll on the injury table. All um, right. So, okay, this is awesome. Life in the mortal realms is hazardous at best and downright lethal at worst. Add trying to impress the dark gods into the mix, and it's a recipe for death and dismemberment. I almost thought this a death and embarrassment for a second. Um, well, that's possible. Yeah. All right. So we each roll a d6. And there's the garage. Did you just get, like, badass scars? 
Yes, I got fearsome scars, though horribly scarred by the claws of a dread beast. You actually look kind of badass. That's exactly what it says here. Add one to your next combat roll while your scars are still raw and imposing. Oh, cool. What'd you Um, get? So I just lost an arm. (laughs) Oh, no! Yeah. It says a fire slayer's axe disarms me in more than one way. Um, however, we're going to go with the slaughter brute ripped it off. Slaughter brute ripped off your arm. So now, yeah, so now that's you're awesome. So are you still Zaz track or are you Stump track? Which one was? It? Are we going to keep the name? No, we. I'm not going to change my name just because I don't have an arm. Can I call you Stumpy though? Because I mean, what are you going to do? Swing at me without an arm? Like you was going to swing the stump at me? I'm not going to swing a stump because the arm is like completely gone. Oh, you don't even have a stump. No. He got it right. Like, he. Oh, so. Like perfect clean cut right at the shoulder, and it's just like spraying blood in no, a wait, direct was it a right cut? angle. Uh, no, I don't think it was a cut, because this is, this, is, this is a slaughter brute, right? I think yeah. he just grabbed you by the, by the, by the bicep and twisted, kind of like a chicken. Like, if you're going to twist the leg. And I think it popped right out the socket. I think it just pulled clean. Oh, okay. That, that works too. I oh, like that. That's painful, too. Oh, so brutal. Let's see what happens to me. You just said you got badass scars. No, no, no. But then I got to after injured. You got to make another roll in the combat roll. Right. So I suffer an additional minus one to all my rolls, except a double six. Okay. Now I get to add a plus one because of my badass scars. I rolled an eight, which becomes a nine. Roll on the chaos boon mutation table, and then make another combat roll. So my scars looked so cool that when I went in killing, I was so viciously scarred and looked so hideous that when I ran screaming back into battle, I caught the attention of the chaos gods and they gave me a blessing. What happened to you? I'm dead. Oh, no. I rolled snakes. You're dead. Well, here, let me see what happens to me. So you died at the night stage. Yep. Game, but I have so much fun with it. It's literally like if you make five decent rolls, the game's over. But can you just make five decent rolls in a row? No, not me. All right, what have I got here? Five weapon limb. Corn has blessed you with a deadly new means to deliver death to your enemies. Add one to all future combat rolls. Did you steal my arm? Yes, I did. That's exactly what happened. I picked it up and said, hey, Stumpy, you forgot something. And then you yelled something at me, and I went to go throw it in my bag, and it kind of hit that the, the shoulder part hit near my shoulder and fused. So now I got three arms. That extra weapon, that's a weapon arm. It's not actually three arms, but it, it fused with my other arm and made it a bigger, better, cooler arm. So I still got to roll now. To, I still got to get by this because I had to roll again after I made the. So now I got a permanent plus one. So six becomes seven survived. Oh, for God's sake. Make a combat roll. All right. Ten. Glory is mine. I am now a Varengard. Oh, my goodness. The Varengard Tim on his deadly steed, Philip. I ride a tireless, demonic steed, Philip. I'm so excited. Okay. Stage four. I'm a Varengard. I'm about to become a Chaos Lord, like Archeon himself. 
I get sent out into battle. Archeon says, as you know, the first of the new Vanguard, I'm going to send you out on a job. And I said, okay. And then the other Vanguard are complaining, look, this guy's taking our jobs. And I'm like, get out of here. I need a job. So here I go, and I roll up. A nine, but the permanent plus one makes it ten. I get another blessing. Oh, no. <laughs> this is where it starts to get bad, though. Too many of these chaos boons. And uh, So if you roll the weapon limb again, you're a spawn. Oh, no. So if I roll another five, I'm doomed. Oh, wait a minute. Three. Regeneration. Nurgle. All results of injured in battle are now survived. So Nurgle and Corn have both taken a shine to me. So now I can regenerate. Wow. See, I'm, I'm sorry. Now my game's taking too long. No, it's fine. This is All right. random. So we roll again. Eight becomes nine. Survived. To merely survive is not good enough for one of our cancers. To make another one subtracting one <laughs> as you throw. Okay, so minus one plus one. So this is a straight roll. Eight, survive. Make another roll. Subtracting one, so minus one plus one. I'm dead. <laughs> Yay. I rolled a six, which plus one would make me injured in battle, and I treat injured as survived, and I would have had to roll again, but the minus one from the last survived. Okay, this game gets progressively harder to 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 go, to become, because in the beginning... You you eight, you need an eight. Oh, I see what this does. In the second stage, you need a nine. Chaos Knight, you need a ten, which I got those. Then you need an eleven to get through this. I I became a Varengard. I'll take that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Me and Philip. Oh, you need a twelve, dude. How are you see? The, yeah, I guess they no not not too many people ever make it to Demon Prince, do they? Nope. So the odds are in this game you're going to die. Yeah, it's and a you're race going towards to, death. You're going to lose. But I don't really have a beef with that because most people lose when they try to become – I mean, that's literally almost every story you read that's not being told from the point of view of the chaos guy is, look, he's really powerful. He's doing all this. I'm going to get there. Oh, now I'm dead. Mm-hmm. I like that. That was fun. Yes. It was a lot of fun. All right. So you know what? That's the toolbox. Guys, if you want to do that, like I said, check it out on Warhammer Community. Um, you have to add story bits like we were doing, but if you do that, it could be fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, time for our second break. And as as folks get up and walk over to the fridge or 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 do whatever it is they're doing during the commercial break... Um, I think we need to talk a little bit about Grognard games. Yes. There's always something happening at Grognards. In fact, as you were pointing out, weren't you just, didn't you? well, you were just there picking up a bunch of stuff, but they just had a Underworlds event, right? Yeah, and they have another one next month. Um, and then they're going to be looking at getting in uh, some primer events for Adepticon building up to it, both on the 40K Fantasy, both on the 40K, uh, Age of Sigmar, uh, Song of Ice and Fire, like just anything and everything um, is going on at Grognards. Um, their weekly Warhammer night is now more like a weekly Warcry night 
because there's a lot of people playing Warcry right now. Out yeah. in there, so they have a really good community for that. Well, and what night is that? I believe that is Wednesdays. Yeah, Wednesday nights, yeah. It's so easy to be like, hey, I've got my little 10 guys here. Let's play three or four games and, and plow through it. Right. But if you're at Grognard Games, uh, you can always pick up um, pretty much anything. They have a massive selection of new product, but also they buy back old product. They just posted on their Facebook page, somebody came in and sold their Tomb King army. Mm -hmm. So they have a Tomb King army in the case, or at least portions of it, to sell. Yeah. I actually just sold a bunch of my extra grats. Did you? Uh, Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, Sold some extra stuff. It was just more clearing stuff out of the closet than anything. But if I'm going to be looking to sell it, Todd will give you store credit. Um makes you a really fair offer. I certainly didn't have any argument with it. Um, and I got to keep the tote that it all came in. So, Oh, nice. I mean, you can't beat that. I got to keep the tote. Um, but there's, um, he's got like racks and tubs of all the stuff that people have brought in. So if you're looking for like specific pieces or one specific model, you've got a lot to go through at Grognard's. It reminds you of those dudes who who have their their thing at at Acon every year, where they the just, Toledo Game Room in yeah. Toledo, Ohio. The, yes, the Toledo Game Room in Toledo, Ohio. Absolutely. Um, but you know how when you're there, they've just got bin. Now nah, he doesn't have that many bins because that's ridiculous. Yes. Um, but I know I, I was there when I was given Grant that demo game. Afterwards, he started. He's going through, and they've just got you know okay this is this this army just a ton of stuff for this and he just started picking through the bags looking at what they had what do you got here what do you got here what's what's available here what's this what's that um if you're that kind of if you are a picker um to use the parlance of the times if you're one of those people who like to dig through bags of models and bits and looking for that thing for a conversion or looking for that model Dude, you you can do that year round at Grognards. They've got mm-hmm. that stuff there. I was surprised how much stuff he had, how much he was buying back, and things like that. And then, and there was and every time I go in there, there's somebody digging through those bags. Like there's there's always someone shopping at <laughs> Grognards. Yeah, that is also accurate. But yeah. he's also got blisters on the shelf that he made himself with the models that have come in. Oh yeah. And you can find a bunch of old classic stuff up there, too, if you're a metal junkie, uh, Tom McClure. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like you can get anything there. Um, the staff is really friendly, really knowledgeable, um, and they really do a fantastic job. So if you're in the area, check out Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois. Yes, yes. All right, let's, uh, let's get back to – let's get back to uh, – the show, if you will. So today's topic uh, came up. Uh, I was actually trying to come up with some ideas for things to do other than book reviews. Yes, even though we've got like six of them to do, it's like okay, I, it, I just I need to. It's it's not that I don't want to read the books and get into it and get all the notes and do all the stuff, but that takes time. And sometimes I just want to flip through the book like I don't want to have to read all the lore I don't want to have to analyze all the scrolls I just kind of want to look around and be like oh that looks pretty cool and look at the pretty pictures yeah and it also doesn't help that they drop four in a month span 
well, and I, we have Slaves to Darkness coming up. So, or we have it right now. Well, you have it right now. I was lucky. Officer Dekua, man. Hey, I am fortunate enough that they find you know that they wish to send me these books, and I will gladly accept their generosity and then review the book. But uh, yeah, there's so much. But so there was an announcement that they made. And at first when I opened it up, I thought it was like some weird, I'm like, it's not April Fool's, so, um, well, first of all, I hesitate to call it an announcement, but, uh, you know, what was it, about a week or two ago, everybody opened up their their social media things, and they see Squarebases, and you click on it and look on that, and guess what? What are they even calling it? Warhammer the Old World? That is exactly what they're calling it. That's what I thought. Okay. See, I do have some memory when it comes to that stuff. So Warhammer the Old World's coming out, which basically you can play in the Old World again. And the picture that they showed was literally an empty square base. So I'm assuming they're going back to some sort of old style of rules. Um, The reason why I say I hesitate to even call this an announcement is it's literally not coming out for about three years. Yeah, it's still very much in development. Um, yeah. So I, mean, I don't... Can we process like our own feelings on this before we get into the real topic? Sure. I don't get it. Um, like, one, you announce this thing like years in, the, in advance to let people know, hey, we're working on this. So get excited about this. Okay, sure. But that's three years off. And I got a text from one of my friends who asked me how many square bases I needed. Um, and I said zero. And he said, good, I'm just checking, because this whole announcement has me terrified. And it's like, why? Because I don't want it to kill AOS. It's like, it's not. Like, it's a different game. If it's a game for you, go ahead, have fun. It's not a game for me. <sighs> I'm, I'm going to let you finish. I'm sorry. I did, I'm just... The other thing that got me is for those of us that... Um, those of really us who don't lose our minds on social together. media every fe- seven minutes? Huh? Those of us who don't lose our minds on social media every seven minutes? Um, I can go like a good 15, but... Okay. Um, it's one of those things that's like for those of us that try to keep the community together um, and get people to embrace... Sigmar, when it came out, um, which was not an easy road to plow. Nope. Um, it's almost like a nut kick. Because um, it's like you blew it up. You give us this much better game. And the community is better than it's ever been. Everyone's having fun. You put out tons of great models. The lore is fantastic. And it just keeps growing and evolving. And you put this out. Um, so like, there's a part of me that wants to be like bitter and resentful about it. Um, but they know what they're doing. I am not a, you know, massive, uh, miniature company. So they, they know what they're doing. Um, and obviously I certainly wish them well on this endeavor. However, no, not for me. Okay. Is that your full thoughts on it? Uh, yeah. Okay. 
Um, I think last episode I was talking with Rotor, and I, I just I don't care. Like, okay, first of all, it's not really an announcement, okay? It's not because it's not coming out for three years. It, it, that's in in the gaming community in the in this hobby. Three years off may never manifest. Okay, I mean they come out with new editions of of the game we're playing about that often, right? I mean, it, if it's three years out, it's they literally have just started working on this, or maybe they've been working on it a little bit, but it's not that developed, right? And they make the announcement, and I I thought the announcement was not the best idea personally, no. um, because it did it did. Being three years off and not giving us any more details, it does nothing but spark internet trolls. Okay, and they were there. Yes, they were. You know, and on both sides, I'm sitting reading this. All the nine pagers and all the people who screamed about, you know, how the only good game was pure square base rank and flank fantasy. Oh. Obviously, AOS is failing, and they're bringing this back. Thank God I wasn't stupid enough to follow that. It's not failing. It's making more money than it ever did. Just don't be stupid. And and they're screaming, and other people are like, "Oh, I will never play it." Oh my God! And why would they want to do this? Are they? And they're not going to kill AOS. Why would they kill? I mean, they're making money, lots of money. Obviously, and they're cranking out stuff because it's making money. Honestly, here's what I think this is going to be. This is going to be 30K. 30K was an older version, and they still, they, to my knowledge, 30K still doesn't play like like 40K. It still plays like some of the old, the old, one of the older systems. And if you like to play in the old systems and want to play in this old time with this old system, more power to you. And there's a group that loves it. Okay. I don't think it's going to be 8th edition. You'd be stupid to make 8th edition. And if they were going to do that, they wouldn't need three flipping years. Okay? 8th edition was kind of a mess. Like, we all played it, and there were parts about it we all loved. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. You know, hordes and hordes of zombies was my bread and butter. I loved doing that. But you're not going to get new players into doing that. You're not. It's going to be some amalgam. I'm kind of hoping it's somewhere between fifth and sixth. It's kind of hero hammery with a, with smaller units and cool stuff. And if you want to play it and relive your adventures, then great. Um, I don't take it as a kick in the ding ding uh, because honestly, I think if they could have, they probably would have released this a lot earlier. And let people play both systems because there were people who were going to want to stick with the old system. Just like every edition, there's people who are like, oh, "I'm just going to play the old edition. I like the old edition better." Dude, there's still people playing third edition. You know what I mean? Um, I think that uh, you know they couldn't put this out when Age of Sigmar came out because Age of Sigmar was such a radical departure. None of us would have taken the bait. You know what I'm saying? We would have all said, no. that's nice. I'm going to stick with this because this is what I'm comfortable with and I know. Um, so they had to, they, they couldn't just shake the tree. They had to chop that tree down, you know? Mm-hmm. And they did. And we got a game and, you know, 
We all know what happened. I don't have to go through the whole history of it. But right now, we've got a, a better game than we had. We've got a. I think we have a better community than we had. Um, we honestly lost a lot of people who, you know, and some of them have come back as Age of Sigmar has progressed and gotten better. And and those who haven't have found their own thing that they like. And honestly, the only people who haven't come back were the people who have been complaining since seventh edition how terrible this game is, and they only play it because their friends play it. Uh, so. All right, bye. You know? Like, it's not going anywhere. Whatever this game's going to be, it's just going to be one other option for people who really want to play it. And honestly, I think it's great. I think it's great. If you are still this person who's playing square bases, now GW is bringing something out so that you can actually be a part of the whole GW community while still playing with your square bases. Because I don't don't see any of... Do you know anybody who's going to rebase their army back to squares? Like literally, of any of our friends, has anybody said I'm going to be? I, I, well, this is great. I'm going to go back and now undo all my round bases and go to square bases. No, no. I think the only person that has really expressed any sort of interest in it is one of my buddies, Ross. Um, he has an entire Bretonian army. Well, sure, Barnett's got a Bretonian army, and he's got. I mean, so if there's something cool, honestly, I'll pull his army out. If it looks cool, I'll give it a shot. I'll play it. But I am not going to purposely make square bases for 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 the for what has bas- what basically looks like it's going to be the side option. I yeah. love Age of Sigmar, and why would I want to switch? I don't. Am I going to try it? It's a GW game. I have a pulse. I'm probably going to try it. I mean, if you've been listening to this show for the past nine and a half years, you know I'm going to give it a shot. Um, give it a chance, see what it's like. But I think it's going to be a, a much more simplified version than we had. I can't see it being the super complex big swings and all the little all the tiny moving parts from eighth because that's why would you do that again and and if it's going to take three years to develop it's because they're trying to clean it up and make it something good um, but I got to go back to the beginning. I don't care it's three years away mm-hmm. In three years, my my final. I mean, it, Harrison will be finishing his, you know, in, in getting his master's. My daughter's going to be, you know, mostly through college. My other kids going to be getting ready for college. Who knows if I'll even be doing this in three years? I don't know what I'll be doing in three years. I could be dead. I might be dead. You know, like I, I can't. That's that's too far in the future for me to worry about. The only thing, the only thing I'm looking forward to in three years is hopefully finishing my master's. Other than that, that I, so, and and this is not to be a big rant. I just, since I mean, I didn't realize that even we were going to do this, but I, I'm just not a. I'm not worried, and b. It's like okay, well, you know what? In two and a half years, when they really start dropping hints and telling us what's coming on, I'll make an actual opinion then. But until then, I I don't I don't care. Yeah, and. Being in my position where I know what's coming for Age of Sigmar, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> I, know. I mean, I'm not knowing how far in advance um, these guys plan and what they're doing for the direction of the game going into 2020. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not worried. Well, and okay, if if I was gonna just if if you had to just pick one reason why Age of Sigmar has been a better game, it's because the story is developing. Mm-hmm. Okay? You go back to the old world, guess what's not going to happen? 
the world's not going to end? Well, no, but it's going to go back to the world. And we all know the world ended. But between then and there, there's no change. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to introduce the, the Cathayans or Cathay or whatever that is? Or what's the uh, Nippon? No. Cathay, Farnippon, Araby, Astalia. Yeah, it's um, not like you're going to find any of these. I mean, it's this. It's just going to be the same static world. That was the biggest problem with the Warhammer world was they couldn't do anything more with it. Yeah. Like they had it ran its course and yeah. it blew up. Yeah. I mean, literally they were just, they were sitting and just avoiding destruction with every new big move was, Oh, chaos come to kill us. Oh, we staved them off again. Oh, here they come Yay. again. We staved them off again. Yay. But there, yeah. <laughs> there was no chance for growth. So, you know, and I'm not down. I'm, I'm honestly, and I'm not down on the game. Because I haven't seen it. Because there is no game. There's just a promise of a game to come in three years. Great. I'll take a look at it then. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't care less. But that now this came after the announcement of this came actually after I had been thinking. And it, it was I, I forget what podcast I was listening to, and I don't listen to that many AOS podcasts anymore. Not that I don't like them, but there's just so it, there's so much out there to listen to, and I don't like to get. I don't want to have my opinion of what we're going to talk about be tainted by other people. So if a topic comes up, especially book coverage and stuff for something that I'm not, that I know we're going to cover, I don't listen because I I want to give my own opinion. Um, But I heard some show talking and it was funny because I just, A, I forgot how few of these, how few of the podcasts were around in 8th edition. Um, and even a lot of the the podcasts were like, well, I've I've never played. I, AOS was the first iteration of this game I played, and so I had said to you, Alex, I said, you know, it would be cool if we brought up like maybe some of the characters who have survived to this point, mm-hmm. uh, and talk about that. Talk about you know wh- who they were back then, before they came through, before before Archeon trashed the world that was um, yeah the 13 ghosts of the old world as it were <laughs> yeah and uh i would I, god that was a terrible show yeah it's pretty bad um we are talking about scooby-doo right i hate scooby-doo and you know it i understand this but like He's i didn't even enjoy the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo yeah i didn't watch the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo i stopped watching scooby-doo when i was 10 because scooby-doo sucks but that's just me, and I know. I every time I bring this up, somebody sends it on the Facebook page. Oh, by the way, we have a Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast on Facebook. Uh, or else I get emails about why Scooby Doo is awesome. He's not. It promotes drug use. It promotes all sorts of weirdness. Uh, I just don't know. No, it's dumb. Um, but uh, I thought it might be interesting, just as a side thing, every once in a while to bring up a single character and really delve into their history like going from the world that was up to now uh and then they announced this and then they announced archaeon and i was just like hey you know what why don't we just kind of talk about this in general and man i thought i knew some of my lore and then you just started rattling off everything so i'm like you know what you take the lead on this let's do this let's basically cover the world that was and all of these clowns that made it through because and i think if you read that last End Times book, a lot of people made it through, didn't they? Like, they just kind of got sucked into it. They just got sucked through 
because as those gates were collapsing, they were getting you know sucked into this other realm, sucked into the the, the void, and and wound up in these other realms. I have a feeling that a lot of just the elves and dwarves and humans and the the common everyday live-in people, not just the avatars of certain types of magic, um, sort of got sucked through and just plopped into these other realms, and they found a way to survive. And that's and and. They founded those civilizations that grew and died off before Sigmar even showed up. That's at least how I think it went. That's, you know, because we don't have that much information on them, but that's my little theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there's a lot of this stuff. So, Alex, you have compiled the lists. You have gotten things together. So uh, I'm going to let you totally grab the lead on this and get rolling. Sure. So when I was looking at this and it's like, how do we do the Cliff Notes version of the old world? Because um, to know where we're going, we need to know where we've been. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a lot of history repeat itself. We've seen characters return. Um, so we should focus on the main movers and shakers in the mortal realms and where they started. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's 13 of them that come to mind. Um, and I only count number 13 because you insisted on it. Um so the ones to look at that we'll be talking about specifically are Alarial, the Everqueen, um, Grugni, Grimnir, Sigmar, Tyrion, Teclis, um, Malekith, who is now Malarian, uh, Marathi, Archeon, Nagash, Manfred, Archon, and Thankwall. Because you wanted to talk about Gotrek some more, you fanboy. That's um, not even the point. Thankwell had a bigger. I mean, he one of the end times books was named Thankwell. I mean, he has a bit of a role in there. I I, I was surprised you wanted to exclude him because he's not. That's true. He he's was just bar- a puppet. He was barely in that book too. But his yeah, name was on he's it. He's a puppet. That's all it was. He's but that's a besides the point. Puppet. Um. So, and I know we could talk about Lord Croak. Um. And where he fits into this puzzle, but honestly, I don't know what's going on with the Seraphon at the moment. Did he make it? I think he made it. Didn't he make it through? He did. Which is the craziest thing, because for anybody who doesn't realize this, Lord Croak is dead. Yeah, it's the strength of his spirit that has carried him through, and his body is just a vessel, as it were, for his spirit. Yeah. Um, the body, he's literally a mummy. He's a hes a giant he's a mummy. frog yeah. mummy, but his spirit has not moved on. It's still there in him, and apparently his spirit can do stuff, but the body doesn't move. Like, the yeah. spirit does just all the magically magic stuff, That because Lord Croak was powerfully magical. Yes, but it was just trying to figure out, like, of the ones that made it, who are the movers and shakers. Um, so we're going to start way back... Um, and it realistically starts with Marathi and with Malekith. Yep. Because of all the characters in the Age of Sigmar, they are actually the legit oldest um, by age. Uh, Marathi being Malarian or Malekith's mother. And it starts with the first wars against chaos where you have the high elves, this is before the Sundering, which is when yeah, the factions separate, but we'll come back to that. Um, and all the different races fighting independently against Chaos and all working together to finally seal the polar gates, which is where 
this tide of magic and chaos is seeping into the old world to drive them back and limit it to just the north and south pole, essentially. So Santa is driving a chaos chariot, but that's besides the point. Yeah, um, good so, old Satan Claus. Satan <laughs> sounds right. Um, anyway, so Anarian is the leader of the elves at that time, and he is married to Marathi, who is She's his second wife. His yes, second wife. Um, First and then died. their son is Malekith, yes, who would become Malarian. Um, and Narian, in order to finally like win against the demons, he has to draw the sword of Cain. Um, and if you know who Cain is, the bloody-handed god of murder, um, eventually the sword kills him, is what it boils down to, um, because he gets driven off of a boat, essentially, and he drowns. Mm-hmm. Like, his armor drags him down. Like, it just... It kills whoever draws it is really what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. So they're choosing who their new leader is going to be um, because now they're at like a pseudo peacetime and the rest of the princes choose another prince instead of like going through blood succession. And this is where you start to see Marathi's bitterness show up because it's like, no, you should take my son because he is the son of Anarian. He is clearly much better than all of you. Now, and Malekith no, no, says real, – Real quick. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Didn't he have a half-brother? Wasn't there a son before him that Anarian had with his first wife? I don't remember. Or am I making that up in my head? You might be, okay. but I think he was immaterial okay. to the story because it really starts with Malekith. Right. Um, but Malekith is like, okay, this is your decision. Um, but it kind of like, he kind of buries it. He puts on a really good front of saying, all right, you know what? I'm not your choice. That's fine. I'm going to do what I do. And what I do best. So he becomes this great leader in spite of not being the Phoenix King. Um, True. He, and, and Marathi. And, and he goes, goes out there and he, by the way, is amazing. Yeah, he is. Um, he's like the elven ideal. He's a combination of this fantastic warrior, a very skilled wizard. Um, he's He's like the ideal elf. Like, I don't know why... They didn't pick him to be Phoenix King. They didn't because, pick him because they didn't like his mom. And because yeah. he was a brooding emo. He wasn't that emo then. He was a bit. He was, he a, was bit. a bit, but he was he not. He was still kind of brooding and aloof, and nobody trusted mom. And then here he comes in, dark-haired, you know, moody. Everybody kind of felt like he might be under her thumb, and he might be a puppet, and nobody wanted to put him in power with her there. Plus, he hadn't been—he hadn't done that much at, yet. Yet. Um, so then, yeah, then it spurred him, and boy, did he go out every. I mean, he won battles handily. Nobody mm-hmm. gave him. I mean, it just—he whooped everybody he came up against. It's actually quite impressive. How I mean, people talk about Tyrion, you know, and how great of a warrior and a, and a battle tree. Honestly, Malekith is just better than him all around. Yeah, like in, in every, every respect. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, him and Teclas together, maybe not, but they are literally the two halves of what Malekith, Malekith is. was. Um, 
each only being one half of it, they might be better at that particular half. Like I think Teclas is a better wizard than Malekith was, but yes. didn't couldn't but he wouldn't stand a chance fighting against him. And Tyrion might might be a better fighter, but is not a great a tactician and, and and could not wield magic nearly as well. So, I mean, Malekith was amazing. I love Malekith. He's just he was he was really cool. Yeah, he was the guy for a long time. Um, and during their like, age exploration, they're branching out to all these different civilizations and different places that they hadn't had a chance to really explore uh, when they're fighting against chaos. So they sail across the oceans and they land in the old world. Um, so this is essentially like you're going from North America to England um, or to mainland Europe. And they meet obviously greenskins and beastmen because that's what's there. They're kind of running rampant. Mm-hmm. And he makes contact with Snorri Whitebeard, who is the high king of the dwarves at the time. Um, and he actually establishes a relationship, like a true. He gets called a dwarf friend. So it's like the highest rank you can get as a non-dwarf within dwarven society. Did you read the Sundering trilogy, which was yes. mostly about Malekith? When Snorri Whitebeard died, Malekith cried. Yeah, like they were they like were legit friends. friends. Yeah, like and 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 they and when they first met, they were a little leery of each other. And I mean, even if I remember correctly, Malekith did comment on how just they were short and ugly and kind of horrible, but. He really liked this guy. He liked that how honorable they were. He liked the. He was an elf who could admit he he liked the better qualities of the dwarves. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, you're right. They called him an elf friend. I I remember that. Just I remember him crying when this guy died, and I was just like, it it, it at this day and age it's unheard of. So, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, it's cool. Um, so the two of them and their combined armies. Um, start to establish like the real footholds in the old world, the real civilizations, the trading system. Um, and it goes on to this age of high prosperity, but there's always something in the back burner. Um, back home, Marathi has kind of secreted herself away and she's starting to establish cults, um, worshiping, dark magic, dark beings, and going into like the old ways of Nagarith, which is their homeland. It's essentially what you might compare Ulgul to. Um, mm-hmm. It's forever shrouded in mist. Um, it's a very dark and inhospitable place, and the people that come from there are, tend to be a little shifty. Um, but that's besides the point. So Malekith goes through all of this and he has to go back home to try to deal with his mom. And he actually ends up having to arrest his mother in the process of, well, you're a heretic. So we have to take you captive. Um, And he brings her to the court of the Phoenix King where she remains like in captivity as his prisoner. Mm -hmm. And she goes through the process of, working on corrupting Malekith and turning him more towards her side, as well as figuring out how to undermine the Phoenix King's rule altogether. Mm -hmm. So they go through the process and 
the Phoenix King ends up dying. Yep. So then Malekith has to come home because they need to announce a new successor to the Phoenix King. Um, but he gets to the point where it's like, no, I'm not waiting anymore. I've had enough. I'm the king. I am the Phoenix King. And part of the process to become the Phoenix King is to step into the flame of a Surian. It is a Surian. Um, to be proven worthy by the Elven Pantheon, you have to survive walking into flames. Um, and he goes in very forcibly, murdering elves as he goes. Well, because they voted against him, didn't they? No, they didn't even get to vote. Malekith didn't let it even happen. Oh, that's right. They were about to vote. He knew the vote was going to go against him or something, because I remember this in the book, too. Yeah. He knew, and he's like, so, nope, that's it. Yeah, and he goes in and just starts killing anybody who yeah. says no. Now, he doesn't go through the long ritual of – because and that's the sort of cheaty thing, is all the other Phoenix princes – uh, that are, that are trying to become the or all the other guys who want to become the Phoenix King. There's a long ritual that, uh, where they uh, they put all sorts of spells and stuff on them to protect them to protect them from the flames. So then, then when they walk through, the flames won't burn them. He doesn't do any of that, does he? No, he walks no, he, right in because he thinks he is worthy. Yeah, because he is the true born son of an Aryan, and he should be. Like they shouldn't have to do all those spells and things. Right. He's got a it's, point. Like he's like, that's not how this is supposed to work. Of course, mm-hmm. he steps in and he's like, "See?" And then he's like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> hot, right. hot, hot, hot." So he ends up getting burned and scarred beyond recognition. Um, but his followers take him away, and he does during- survive. He steps out, and he is a crispy critter. Yeah. Um. And he's only kept alive in the long short by the dark magic that Marathi has started to conjure um, through, like, blood rites and everything. And she eventually forges him into the this... Witch King of Nagaroth as they get driven away in this massive war that breaks the Elven Nation essentially into High Elves and Dark Elves. Or, um, what are they called? Jurichi and I can't remember. Oh, that's right. The Drukai and the. Uh, it was Jurichi. It's, it's not the Inari. No, I can't remember. Yeah, that's besides the point. No. Um, but going through the sundering process, um, it starts to create the three different types of elves that came from it the dark elves, the high elves. And the Wood Elves, which are the elves that got left in the old world that refused to leave. Yeah. As everybody started to withdraw back to Ulthuan to deal with the Sundering. Um, and that's where you start to create, like, the roots of the Sylvaneth. And the what I'm guessing are going to become the Karnathi. Um, yeah, there's like, some interesting things there we've been seeing lately, yeah. Yeah, the more in tune with the nature spirits, um, those elves that stay in the old world tend to move towards Athel Lauren, which I think is the closest thing you could approximate to the realm of life mm-hmm. um, in the old world. And they make packs with uh, the creatures of the forest, which are dryads and tree lords. So very similar to Sylvaneth. Which Darius Hinks wrote the Orion trilogy. And if you want to get a good taste of what that world is like, um, we were actually talking about that on the last episode. Oh, yeah, and, he did. Yeah, and uh, 
we talked about that a little bit, the Orion Trilogy. It's a really good read, and it'll really give you a feel for what it was like. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we talk a little bit about Malekith's armor for a minute? Yeah, if you'd like. This is insane. His body is so badly burned. Marathi's spells are just barely keeping him alive. She needs to do something even more to keep him alive. So she not only makes him this suit of armor, she ensorcels the armor. So the armor is going to have life-healing properties as part of it. Um, But he's not just in the armor. For it to work, she... uh, she basically, okay, here's the chest plate. She puts it on his chest and then screws it into him. Like she literally, they hammer and screw the armor into his bones. While it's hot. While it's hot, exactly. Yeah, so, so he it, gets burned again. He gets burned again, and it literally, it melts his skin, which when it finally cools is fused to the inside of the armor. And if that's not enough, because, you know, you could still tear the armor away and tear the skin away, but you don't want that to happen. So, it, like I said, it is bolted into his bones. He cannot take the armor off. Can he take off his helmet? I think he can. I don't even no. know. Like, can, no. how does he eat? He doesn't. Um, he's sustained strictly by magic and blood rites. He is. Wow. Okay. I didn't even realize that. This is what becomes Malekith, the Malekith that you come to lo- know and hate um, because he has, a, he has a bad rep. Let's face it. He walked in and just killed most of the high council and all their guards and said, I'm taking over. And then Anarian burned him to a crisp. And yes, he survived. So as, as he would claim for the next, what, 6,000 years? Yeah, he survived every Phoenix King that came since him. Yeah. Right up until the end times. Yeah, he just kept claiming, you guys are all usurpers to the throne. I am the Phoenix King. I survived. I may be burnt and mutilated and horrible, but I survived, and so I'm the Phoenix King. And this becomes a, I mean, this his this fuels this a war between these two races for 6,000 years. And it's 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 glorious. Um, and we, I, I don't know how much more you want to talk about, so I'll wait until we get to the actual end times to show that result because that was not what I was expecting. No, it was definitely like one of those long bubbling storms. Um, so we have the fallouts so of the sundering, and they, the high elves are so ashamed of this that they don't tell their dwarven allies in the old world about what's going on. So the dark elves can still act and dress like high elves because the dwarves don't know the difference. Uh, It's some guy in a different color armor with different pointy ears. So they actually engage in a war where they essentially act as high elves and do horrible, terrible acts against the dwarves in order to piss them off to try and weaken the elven nation. And, the usurper and imposter and elven, elven nation as they see it. So they're going, yeah, right. they're going to mess up all of their relationships with all these other races. Mm-hmm. And eventually it leads to the war of the beard because they do try to engage in some sort of degree of diplomacy. So 
there's a number of diplomats that go over from the Dwarven realms to Ulthuan to meet with the Phoenix King and his court, and they basically laugh at him. It's like, no, what are you going to do? You are nothing to us. We are far superior to you. And they actually shave the beards off of the ambassador and his retinue, I believe. This um, is out of line. And this is yeah. not just because I love dwarves. They it, See, and this is part, when, like I said, when you read the book, Malekith is one of the few elven leaders who found anything of value in the dwarves. The most of the elves, especially the leaders, and the, a lot of those leaders were not warrior princes like Malekith. A lot of them were sort of foppish. They had money and title, elvish mm-hmm. leaders. They did not see the value in this short, squat, ugly race of people, um, and they and they treated them super poorly. Uh, and so when they came demanding retribution, yeah, like you said, they they shaved their. Uh, that that's a declaration of war, and I don't. They don't realize that it's a declaration of war, but it absolutely is. Yeah, it is such a mark of shame uh, for a dwarf to have no beard. So they go back to the old world, and then it's on like Donkey Kong, um, and the dwarven nation goes across the great ocean, and they bring it to the elves, and they end up killing the Phoenix King. Um, I believe somebody and they steal the, his. They have his crown. Yeah, and they steal his crown and take it back to the old world as um, as wear guild as payment for the beard. They, they consider that theirs now. Not that they stole it. They killed him, and this we are taking this a thing in of recompense. Value. Yeah, now we're even. Yeah, and the dwarves had called that the war of vengeance because obviously you committed something horrible against us, but the elves refer to it as the war of the beard. Because it's just over a beard. Who cares? They still don't get it. And that's the sad part. Well, they're prick ears. Um, So we have all of that going on. So now we've established that. Grigny and Grimnir, we should probably mention them because I completely skipped over them. Uh, They are two of the ancestor gods uh, that made up the Dwarven pantheon. And there's three of them. Grigny, Grimnir, and Valea. And Valea, I believe died during the end times like completely gone Uh, yes and that they don't make it perfectly clear that it's her but if you're paying attention um because they're ancestor gods we have the the dwarves hasn't seen them in ages like they're in I, i i still don't really know what they were doing but if you read the end times books uh trying to tunnel in and get at the dwarves they stumbled across a ruined and hidden and completely nobody knew it was their sort of room in which was laying this female and Nagash basically ate all her power and energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out basically everybody believes it was, it was uh, Valia, the, the female, the, the God, the, the dwarven goddess. Uh, and she was all about healing yeah, she was the goddess of home and hearth. Yes, Grugni um, was all about invention and creation of weapons and building and being clever. Grimnir was, uh, was the war. Yeah, just the just a straight up warrior, and she was you know, home and hearth and healing. Um, and she's gone. That made me upset and sad during the end times. Yeah. 
And then Grimnir had gone off to try to close the Chaos Wastes by himself. Like, there was an army of followers that went with him, but even, like, way back when they finally sealed off the gates, he went north by himself to try to shut it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he never came back. So no. that was where he kind of went off to. And then Grugni, I don't rightly remember where he disappeared to. Um, but so those are like where we then get in the fire slayers um, with Grimnir and the Urgold and then Grugni with the Karajan overlords um, and like the invention, the tinkering, the innovation, that sort of thing. Right. So are we going to see a Valais style dwarf? I don't know. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, she gone, but there's a gone. lot of stuff that keeps coming back. Um, so now we're going to fast forward a couple thousand years. Um, and we get to, um, the greatest nation of man that ever existed, uh, Nehekhara, which is essentially, if you think about the old world as a map of the actual planet earth, this is Egypt. Right. Um, the Egyptian empire. So it's spreading across the entirety of this continent, essentially from Egypt to most of, uh, the middle of Africa, um, and then East and West into what would be like the Arabian peninsula. Um, and then all the way out to Morocco. Mm -hmm. So it's this massive nation, um, of kingdoms ruled over by one, essentially uh, Pharaoh, if you want to put it that way. Um, it's the greatest nation of man. Mm-hmm. And it was finally put together by Setra, the uniter who brought all these, uh, disparate kingdoms together. Um, but his goal at the end of it was to reign eternal. Mm-hmm. Um, he was obsessed with not dying of keeping his power. Um, and he actually working within the, system was the mortuary cults and <laughs> this is like where it's preserving and like how to keep your body this way when the time is right you can rise again but he wanted to work towards immortality mm-hmm. like just i don't want to die i want to rule forever um but naturally it doesn't work properly um so cetra dies and he essentially gets mummified and buried mm-hmm. as his custom years go by and the king at the time um, has two sons, the oldest of which is Nagash. And then I forget his brother's name. Um, but the tradition of Nehekhara is that the oldest son serves in the mortuary cult. And the second son is the one that takes the throne. Because you have to honor the gods first. So Nagash ascends very high into the ranks of the mortuary cult, um, but he's still bitter about it. It's like, I should be next in line for the throne because I am the oldest. I am better than my brother. Um, And he craves power at all other ends. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sounds very similar to the Nagash we have now. Um, (laughs) And during the course, they capture three Dark Elves. Um, so these are the Dorichi, and one of them happens to be a sorceress. And 
during the course of it, he says, look, I'll release you if you teach me your magic. So mm-hmm. he takes the dark magic that he learns from the sorceress and blends it with the spells and rituals of the mortuary cult. And he's the first necromancer. He's the first one that can bring people back from life, back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but once he's learned all that he can from the sorceress, he kills her and kills his her compatriots because obviously can't have anybody knowing that I know all this stuff from you. So he then goes on and he kills his brother who has already ascended to the throne um, and he makes his power play to rise up and his primary guy is Archon. And this is going way back um, how long these guys have been together. Archon is a lesser noble who works as like Nagash's behind the scenes guy. He's the tough He's the leg breaker. Um, And the reason they call him the black is not because of any sort of like color style preference or anything like that. His teeth are actually black because he has an addiction um, to like some sort of drug or opiate that turns your teeth black. So his mouth is literally black teeth. And that is where they got his name, Archon the Black. Uh Uh-huh. Because of his teeth. Um, so gross. And through the power of the spells and rituals that Nagash infers with his followers, um, obviously he works towards becoming immortal. He eventually develops his own ability to cast spells and maintain the legions of the long dead. Um, and to summon the demons and everything like that that they do. So they go on and they establish this great empire of the dead and the dying all under the heel of Nagash, who is viewed as a usurper and the other kingdoms. They rebel, they fight back. Um, but it isn't until the furthest away city of Lamia gets involved that the things that the tide turns against Nagash. Um, and eventually the armies rise up together under King Alcadazar. Yes, that is his name. Alcadazar. Um, to defeat Nagash uh, for the first time. And he retreats far away, leaving his army, leaving everything um, to like regroup because you can't kill him. Right. Um, and he ends up uh, establishing a new stronghold, uh, which would eventually become Nagash's are. Um, and I believe it was called Cripple Peak before he turned it into Nagash's are. I think so. So he spends time, brooding and rebuilding his power while the other kingdoms are looting and rooting through all of his stuff. Um, the Lamians having contributed the most, they take (laughs) a lot of the esoteric tomes of spells and magic from Nagash's pyramid. Um, and they just hang on to it. No one else knows they have it, but they hang on to it. For no particular reason at all. And I believe <laughs> at one point they captured Archon. Uh, that I'm not certain about, but uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I'm so, not disagreeing. I'm just saying I don't have any knowledge. That's what I'm trying right. to say there. Um, so Nagash builds his power base um, at Cripple Peak. And he ends up fighting, not for the first or last time, the Skaven. Um, 
who have already infested the lower levels of Cripple Peak, and it's because of the warp stone that lives or that is in Cripple Peak, where he can like harness the warp stone to channel his dark powers, and obviously the Skaven have it. Yeah, the Skaven so, use it too. This, by the way, the Nagash trilogy from the old mm-hmm. world stories. That was Mike Lee and um, who else was it? There was one more that worked on this book. So good, first of all. And second Mm -hmm. of all, those wars, the running battles that went on under that mountain. Nagash went and raided all of the cairns all around them. He had hundreds, if not thousands of skeletons. And... They would just be digging down there, just doing their thing, and suddenly a tunnel opens up, and out pour the Skaven, and Nagash knows all that they see, so he turns them from working mode to fighting mode, flips the switch. There is a battle going on there practically round the clock as you know for months if not years and then they then you'd get a break and then they'd come back with more and they'd get a break and they'd come back with more. Thousands, if not millions, of Skaven died over the years fighting in that place. Um, I don't know how many of the skeletons were trashed, but then Nagash would just put them back together again mm-hmm. and just send them back in. And it was crazy reading that because there is no race as populous as the Skaven. But everything that dies, Nagash just brings back to work on his side. And, and and the stuff that gets trashed after he brings the other stuff back, he goes back and just repairs what was trashed and sends that out too. So that just the battles that went on under this mountain, um, the fact that, that it's so little was known before those books, and I mean, a lot of people haven't read those books. They're kind of older. Um, if you're interested, that's another series that you could go through and be like, wow, this is really great. Mm-hmm. But those battles were crazy. I'm sorry. You can go right ahead. No, no. It's all good. Um, So eventually he comes to a temporary truce with the Skaven. And he uses them to poison the Great River, the River Vitae, V-I-T-A-E, which is essentially like the River Nile for Egypt. Um, And he poisons it with Warpstone. And he ends up killing everything in Nehekara. Yes, he does. By poisoning everything. And this is just like the nuclear option. But the only thing – and then once it, the population is weakened, he is, comes down from his mountain, the head of an undead legion, and just rolls over everybody. It's like, I am going to rule over an empire of the dead. And the only person that he leaves alive is Alcadazar, the king that overthrew him. And he brings him back so, so he can witness his final testament to glory. So, so you can see the ultimate cost of your failure. I'm going to bring you back to Nagashazar. And as Nagash com- prepares his ritual, um, he essentially raises everything recent and long dead in Nehekara. So it's now an entire empire of the dead. Um, and after he completes this great work, he's exhausted. He needs a nap. So he slumps down in his chair to recover his senses and down in the dungeons, there's a skaven that sneaks in to the prison and frees Alcadazar and says, here, we're going to give you this sword and we will clear the way because all the skeletons are exhausted. 
because Nagash can't maintain their maintain control. So there's nobody in the way. It's just okay. Here's a straight shot, and here's a sword made out of pure warp stone uh, called the Fell Blade. And anybody who touches this thing, by the way, dies. Hmm? Anyone who touches that thing, by the way, dies. Yeah, because of the nature of warp stone, it just naturally kills um, what it gets through. But it's designed to kill a god. Is essentially what this is. This is the Skaven mm-hmm. invoking their nuclear option, but they don't want to have a rat do it. So we'll free this guy to go and kill Nagash. Um, and he actually succeeds in killing Nagash. Um, and there is a brief struggle, but Akhazar kills Nagash, cuts off his hand, um, and his spirit has to go reconfigure, as it were. Because that's just what Nagash does. You kill him, but his spirit always comes back through the still sh- sheer strength of will. Yeah, they uh-huh. had to destroy the body, but that hand that got cut off survived. And if any part of him survives, that's it. It's growing back. Right. Um, so all of the dead in Nahakara have nothing. They were answering the call of Nagash, but then stopped. And they're more sentient than like a traditional skeleton. Um, they still maintain part of that spirit that was in them. So they're very similar to what they used to be in life. Um, and in that process, obviously, the old long-dead Setra and the other kings wake up and it's like, what the heck is this? Why are you all dead? Why do I look like this? Something has gone horribly wrong. Yep. So they start to reestablish their kingdoms. Um, meanwhile, in Lamia, you have the Lamian Empire, uh, which is growing at its own essentially breakneck speed. Uh, they have a lot of established trade routes. Um, and the princess of Lamia is Neferata. And that name will obviously be very familiar. Um, but she and her cabal of four other nobles, um, they are plundering through Nagash's books and they find the elixir of life. So this is the creation of the first vampires. And Neferata is the first vampire, mm-hmm. which is why she has survived for so long. Um, and there are th- three others at the time that join her. Um, with Soren, who is like the sage part of this D&D group. Um, and he becomes the progenitor for the Necrog bloodline. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like these are the wizardy vampires, um, but they're very like debased. It's almost like walking corpses, but still like vampiric, crazy bloodsuckers. Um, Neferata is a progenitor for the Lamian vampires, which are like the courtly, the stately, um, essentially the coven throne of the Bloodseeker Palanquin is the best way to describe them. Yep. Um, then you have Shorin, who is the Prince of Masks. Um, he's like the entertainer, but he's this big, just kind of a clown, as it were. He plans all the rituals, all the ceremonies, and he is a progenitor for the Strigoi bloodline, which the curse of vampirism takes its toll on everything in some way, shape, or form, and he becomes the first ghoul king, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they talk about the Prince of Masks, um, in the Flesh Eater Courts, or what is his name? Um, 
it's something Prince or Carrion King or something. Um, that's who they're talking about is Ashoran. Right. Then the last is Abhorash, who is the captain of the guard for Lamia. And he's like this super martial warrior. He's the best fighter that essentially ever existed in this time period. And he becomes the progenitor for the bloodline for the blood dragons, um, which are like the peerless uh, in pursuit of martial perfection. So if you look at the soul blight allegiance abilities, you have to pick a bloodline and every one of those bloodlines represents what would essentially be one of these initial four. Um, and then during the course of conquests, um, Neferata meets and falls in love with Vahanesh or Vasanesh. Um, I can never remember how you pronounce his name, but he's like this super charismatic warrior leader. Um, and she gives him the gift of vampirism and he becomes the progenitor for the von Karstein bloodline. Um, he becomes Vlad von Karstein as he survives, uh, through the course of the wars, um, who then sires Manfred von Karstein in the terms of he creates him. Mm Mm-hmm. So, it all starts with Lamia, at least as far as the death is concerned. Well, the other kings, at least the living ones, um, that have figured this out, they march on Lamia, and they essentially destroy it, forcing the vampires to flee. They go their own separate ways. Wasoran links up with Nagash, um, and kind of like studies at his side. Ushoran goes off and sets up his own kingdoms and Neferata essentially goes and does the same, but she always wants to like rebuild the glories that she had with Lamia, which is why her capital in the age of Sigmar is new Lamia. Yeah. Cause she wants to capture that glory again. Abhorash goes off and just essentially takes his group of followers with him um, which are like the martial guys and they just go around trying to prove their worth and trying to cure their need for blood and how they discover how to do it is Abhorash duels a dragon in a volcano essentially and drinks its blood. So in that process, he retains all of the gifts of vampirism, but no longer has the curse of needing blood. So he commands his followers to go and prove their worth to do the same, to rid themselves of the need for blood. In case you can't tell, I'm big on a poor ash. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I did not know that, but I'm picking up on it. I'm picking up what you are throwing down, my friend. When I was p- playing uh, Old Warhammer, the two bloodlines that I drifted towards naturally were Blood Dragons and uh, Von Karsteins, just by my particular play style and um, just the narrative really grabbed me for those. Because Von Karstein is the archetype Dracula, essentially, is what they are. Um, and Manfred was the first sire, well, the first sired vampire by Vahanesh, or who would become Vlad von Karstein. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's one of the oldest vampires in the old world at the time. So he is now the second oldest vampire in age of Sigmar mm-hmm. behind only Neferata. Um, so they go their own separate ways. And do we need to take a break here? Uh, yeah, why don't we, uh, we've been going for about an hour. Why don't we take uh, another break? 
and then we'll come back and, and roll through some more of this. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back, back, uh, continuing the tales of the old world as we slowly creep up towards the end times and the inevitable moving. And the best part about this is everything we've talked about so far are characters you all know, because these are the ones who managed to survive, as you will find out later, um, all the cool things that they were imbued with and what made them the gods that they were here in the end times. So... Yeah, that's that's a bit a bit down the storyline. So, uh, shall we pick it up from where you left off, Alex? Sure. So we have the rise and fall of Nehekara, and then time progresses. Things move on. It becomes their own like lost legend. Essentially, you move on to like the Dark Ages. Um, and while all this is going on, the elves are still fighting. Yeah, because that all happened way before this. And they are still fighting. And who are they? they're still fighting Malekith. Malekith and his mom are still in charge of the now the Dark Elves. And they are fighting uh, with, the, with the High Elves. And it is brutal, bitter, and just bloody for mm-hmm. centuries. So, meanwhile, while the Elves are still fighting, what else is happening now? Um, so, naturally, into this wild world come men. Um, now obviously they've been there from the beginning, um, but they're essentially like the wandering tribes, the barbarians, um, very like Viking-esque, I think is the best way to describe it. Um, Mm -hmm. they have their own familial kin bands and everything like that. They start to establish settlements, um, and there's 12 different tribes, uh, that settle in the area that will become the empire. So essentially mainland Europe, Mm -hmm. um, and they're all different. They all have their own unique customs. And to the tribe of the Inborgians, uh, the chieftain's son is born Sigmar um, as a man. And his story starts very humbly. He is not anybody special. He's really not. He's just a guy. Right. Um, so 
his interaction and start with greatness is he and his warriors are out and they rescue the high king of the dwarves from a band of orcs, I believe. Yes, they were fighting with a bunch of orcs and Sigmar. Now, uh, let's not sell him short. Yes, he's just a man, but he's not just a man. No, he's a clearly talented warrior. He's 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 the Beowulf. He's basically who he is. I mean, here's a guy who born into a, just these barbarian hordes. Um, you know, they're tribes living there. They've got some sort of a system of, of how to run things going. And he is just more clever by half than any of these guys. Um and he's a great warrior, a noble guy. Uh, he has his own share of flaws and some faults that, that wind up happening uh, through his lifetime. But, I mean, he's he's kind of the Malekith of the humans. I mean, not that the things go bad, but just in the fact that, I mean, he never, he never got into a fight that he didn't win handily, you know. And even when they're outnumbered in this, I mean, because when they go in to, to help the dwarves, Sigmar fights for sometime like he he carries the day on mm-hmm. uh, against some ridiculously insurmountable odds right so i'm sorry continue no no you're jumping in where i need you so that is quite all right i'm doing that um, color commentary where i can i don't even want to think about this comparison but that's okay um so Carrying on, he rescues the High King and the Dwarves, and I don't remember who's in King, who's which short little guy uh, is King at the time. Um, but he is so impressed by the courage and the prowess of this human that they would come and do this for no reason other than to fight for the right cause. Uh, that he gives Sigmar Galmaraz, the Skull Splitter. This is what would become. The Warhammer that refers to from Warhammer Age of Sigmar, from Warhammer Fantasy Battles, Galmaraz is the hammer. Um, And this is what he uses to work towards uniting all of the tribes of men to form what would become Sigmar's empire. Mm -hmm. And the hammer becomes his symbol, not only just because of this this, masterwork of a hammer – um, but it's also what the hammer represents. Um, hammers can be used to destroy things, and they do that job quite well. But a hammer can also be used to build something. Whereas like an axe is only meant to cut things down. You're still destroying something when you use an axe. Yep. Same thing with like a bow and arrow or a spear or a sword – all those things are weapons designed to kill or to destroy. But a hammer is the only one that you can build with and fight with. And that is why the hammer becomes so revered within the Sigmarite um, faith. Right. So, and when he becomes like the elect, essentially elected ruler of all of these different tribes, and he lets the leaders of the tribes still continue to be leaders, but they still answer to him. Um, so this is like the first iteration of the Pantheon. Um, him and the other 11 leaders of the different tribes of men. And for their aid to the dwarves throughout the course of history, um, 
they have their master smith that was Ulrich the Mad, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah. He forges um, 12 swords for the rulers of each one of these tribes, and these would become the Rune Fangs. Um, so basically just peerless swords um, inscribed with uh, words of, like, runes of power um, that the leaders of these different uh tribes of people can wield and obviously it takes time so this isn't like immediately oh yeah by the way here's this massive great hammer and then here's 12 swords to come along with it no those swords took almost generations yes to get i mean it was a long because they're really i mean they're dwarf crafted and they and they become huge heirlooms those were 12 when sigmar united the 12 tribes this has something that has not happened in the history of men and he unites them all together under his banner. And then the leader of each of these nations is gifted eventually with this rune fake, which is then passed down. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- passed down to, to, to each successive leader in that tribe. It it becomes the heirloom of each tribe. Um, they're, 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 they're beyond compare. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And so from this is where they start to build cities to really like establish the civilizations. Um, like the Bretonians exist in this. Those are the knights like the King Arthur, typical chivalry. They go off and they do their own thing. They form their own nation um, and they kind of exist alongside uh the Empire of Sigmar. They don't believe in Sigmar. They don't think he's anything special um, besides a great king. And they still respect him, but it's, right. no, we're going to do our own thing. We worship a different god or goddess compared to Ulrich's Ulrich, Tal, um, Mor. Um, who are the other gods? Manan, Ulrich... Oh, Ronald. I don't remember. I'm trying to think of like all the different or Ronald, Ronald, not Ronald. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, there's a difference. Yeah. Um, But it's a pantheon of multiple gods. And even Sigmar is not a god as it were. He worships Ulrich, who is the god of winter and wolves. Um, So he has his own different belief system. Um, but this is where things start to come into play. Um, I suppose actually the last thing we should talk about before uh, we sign off is the war between Sigmar and Nagash, the first time that they actually fight. This is like the third or fourth time Nagash has come back to life at this point. Um, but his crown finds its way into the Empire and Sigmar finds it. And he obviously finds this fancy hat, so he decides to wear it for a little while. Um, yeah, he puts that on as his crown, and that was a bad idea. Yeah. So, obviously, he's able to channel some energy of Nagash, but Nagash then says, Oh, hey, that's my hat. I know where you are, so I'm going to come and take my hat back. Um, so, Sigmar 
has to then fight Nagash. Isn't some of Nagash's essence or mind or something in that crown? Yeah, it's like the ring from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I mean, it's not that much of him dumped into it, but there's him dumped into it. So while Sigmar is wearing this, he basically has Master Manipulator and Snake in the Grass, Nagash, whispering in his ear constantly egging him on to do the wrong things. Um, it's oh, This was such a weird part in the book. Um, I know a lot of people, this, this, this got really dark and really strange, and Sigmar became really, he was quite corrupted by it. Like he mm-hmm. got he got uglier and more vicious in his in his deeds and in his actions and far more bloody handed than uh, than he, he had been before. Yeah, and it caused a lot of strife and issues. Um, like I said, the book itself, I know a lot of people read it who didn't like it because they they did not like to think of Sigmar that way. But um, he's got some. He's got. It's funny. He does have some some skeletons in his closet, so to speak. And those, and those skeletons are Nagash. It's literally been... You talk about their fights now. Um, you know, Sigmar didn't know Nagash, really. I mean, he was just like a legend, you know, for the most part. They hadn't seen him in forever. Um, but putting on that crown... Um, it, you had Nagash messing with him since he... Before he was... The, the, the king king the, I mean he was still the king but not, not Before he became a god Yeah And Nagash was still Messing with him and trying to corrupt him That far back mm-hmm. um, And then of course When Nagash does finally show up for The crown um, He gets his butt kicked by Sigmar Yeah uh, and Sigmar does eventually take the crown off. Doesn't he destroy um, it? No, because he can't. Instead, they bury it. Um, oh, that's right, because they tried and they could not destroy it. Correct. Um, but they defeat Nagash and his undead legions. Um, not exactly so, a fair fight. I mean, Nagash is sort of newly resurrected and not at full strength. Oh, but whatever. Does no, I mean, It's true, but it doesn't matter. He, you know, this is yeah. what Nagash does. He wasn't quite ready, made the move, and Sigmar. Um, well, he underestimated Sigmar for starters. Yes, um, and he thought that by taking over Sigmar's empire, that it would give him a new launching point to get back into Nahakara, and then from there work on the rest of world domination. Right. Um, but he underestimates Sigmar. Um, he gets his butt kicked. Uh, and then after this point, Sigmar like wanders off because he's like haunted by the deeds that he did under control of Nagash or under his influence. And there are other things in Sigmar's past that he just says, no, I need to leave. Yeah. He, he, um, so he, he just wanders off into the east. Yeah. He does not feel that he is worthy to be their leader anymore. Mm-hmm. If he was so easily fooled and not and refused to listen to his... To his, his own advisors and his friends uh, that he shouldn't be in charge anymore. And he does. He leaves. Yeah. And he leaves the hammer too to whoever is going to be his successor 
Um, and he's he lets, basically never seen again. Yeah, I mean, um, until the end times. Yeah. I mean, there were people who they thought that he had been reborn in another that was vaulted. Yeah. Um, that was not the case, though. No. Yeah, I mean, and how did he become a god? Like, at where between there and the next thing does it happen? I don't know. So that happens during the end times. He becomes a god during the end times? I mean, how well, did he, he becomes a god because he, has, he becomes deified um, from all of his deeds, from the founding of the empire. Um, so he eventually eclipses Ulrich, Tal, and all of the other gods and goddesses of the human pantheon um, just by, like, adoration of the legend of Sigmar. That's where he becomes a god in that terms, even though he's not a god. Right, but eventually he becomes a god. Like, he becomes basically immortal and all that stuff. And that's the one thing that I never could quite figure out how that happened. Yeah, um, so he, that happened. It gets explained in the end times. I must not rem- recall that. So, do we want to do we want to touch on this real quick? Sure. So, in his travels, um, the dark god Zinch recognizes what he is and what he could be because Zinch has these glimpses of the future and potential and everything. So he locks Sigmar away. And essentially traps him in the wind of Azir, which is the wind of heaven's magic. Because um, in the world that was, um, what would become the eight mortal realms, they started as like winds of magic, um, like well, the essences. That, and all magic comes from chaos. Yes. Because this was the chaos gates, which there was basically two... Yeah, well, the north like, south pole. Almost warp gates, yeah. And um when the when the elder beings or what were they called? The old the ones. The old ones. When the old ones suddenly disappeared, uh the gates sort of cracked and just chaos energy started pouring through it. And the elves realized the only way to stop this and having demons and all that from overrunning is they basically create uh, a magic sink. They create a, a vortex that sucks all this excess magic back out of their realm. Um, so near the chaos gates, chaos is 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 in full power because they're so close that the the power of chaos and that magic is still there. The farther away you get, the the more tenuous that hold becomes on the magic, and it's much more easier to dissipate and dispel and vanquish the demons that are coming through. But the what winds up happening is that magic it, the slan can use it you know uh the seraphon the lizard men they can use the magic in sort of its pure form but now did they break it down for the elves or did the elves break it down for humans yes so they sort of taught the elves how to use the magic in pieces sort of and then it was actually techless that brought the magic to the tribes of men. Right. He was the one that founded the colleges, um, which become the collegiate arcane uh, that we have now, um, where he taught the brightest human wizards that he could find. Um, 
but, about the different spheres of magic. But when they broke up that because that chaos magic, it's mm-hmm. almost like they put it into a you know into a prism where they broke it into its basic elements, which become the eight winds of magic, which become right. those eight elements. Now, like I said, the the lizard men, the slan could just use it straight up, use it. Whatever, none of it didn't matter what portion of it was from. They could just use it. The elves could not use it as well. They had to sort of think of it in these separated parts, if I remember my lore correctly. These specializations. These specializations. And to go too far was to court chaos if you did more than one specialization. Now, the elves could do more than one specialization. Techless. Techless could, but I mean, some others could. It was just not easy. Humans right. cannot because they are squishy. Yeah, it, it would even if they didn't succumb to chaos. Just trying to master two different winds of magic uh, would just crush their brains. So yeah, you have these eight winds of magic, and I'm just trying to describe how that all breaks down because that does become huge in the end times as 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 Techless starts channeling that into and screwing everything up um doing his best to keep the world alive nope complete failure um yes but he did he did he 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 saved it a lot more than anybody else did it was a complete failure on every i mean everything that was tried was a, i mean the world blowed up you know are we gonna hash this out again uh every time you try to try to try to poop on him i'm gonna i don't try to poop on him it's like hard dump um, because that guy, village idiot, He's but that's awesome. besides the point. Um, so Sigmar wanders off, um, into the East. Zinch recognizes the potential and essentially locks his essence away in the wind of heavens, the wind of Azir. Um, so this way he removes the piece from the table as it were. So Zinch saw his potential. I, why do I not remember this at all? Because it was like two and a half sentences in one of those end times books, which are ridiculous tomes. There's so much tiny print, so many columns. There was so much in there. Yeah, that's why he was never seen again because Zinch locked him away um, until and the so, unraveling from the end times. And so the winds of magic just kept permeating through him until it changed. It basically made him into something different. Yeah, cool. So that's just weird. He sees his potential, but that potential wouldn't be there had he not locked him up. This is where you get into the weird paradox and you start to bend your brain. Um, and because it's Zinch and because it felt like there was a lot of stuff in the end times. that was just kind of like hard fit, you know? Yeah. But no, this was but that was cool. It was like, hey, at least now kind of we know because that was one of the few things that didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But so... Yeah, so then that's how he becomes a god. Pretty cool. All right, I'm sorry. I, I totally sidetracked with the thing about the magic. You can continue. Um, I think that's really where we kind of want to stop. Oh, well, that's right, because um, now... We're yeah, in the we, age of Warhammer, um, essentially. Yes, everything we just told you, or everything Alex told you and I commented on, is before the game starts. <laughs> And now we're up to uh, Warhammer fantasy battles. At this point, we've gotten to the into the age of Warhammer, and uh, there's a whole other story that runs from there 
up to the end times, up to the destruction of the old world, and into the creation of these new uh, realms. Yeah, we essentially went from like 10K to like 20 or 25K in the comparison. Yeah, okay. For 40K. Yeah. yeah. So we're not even there yet. Um, I think... I think we're going to come back to this topic later. Um, yeah, I but think we kind of wanted to here. Yeah, we kind of wanted to set the stage um, for a lot of people, and we've mentioned um, all but one of those characters in passing. But it's still like explaining their significance because the end times in and of itself, like you can listen to the Garage Hammer coverage of the end times um, because that was fairly extensive. Yeah, was some of our some of our best episodes too. Like that was just yeah. those crazy amounts of information, and I had so much fun with that back when I was just a youth and had all the energy to do all that readings and nonsense. It was so good. Yeah, youths, youths, wild in the streets, street thugs, street youths. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll call it here. Um, and then next episode we will have the. Year in review, right? Next wrap episode up. is the year and the year end wrap up, which we're going to do it at the end of the year, the way you should do an end of the year wrap up. Who did an end of the year wrap up pre? Are you honestly asking the question? Yeah, because that sounds like a rolling bad thing. It, yep, <laughs> you guessed it. They did it like two weeks ago because you know, I don't know that that way it could be first. Not better, just first. Hey. <laughs> I got nothing. There's no follow-up for that. Oh, uh, Elric's going to punch me in the face at Adepticon. Is he coming? I don't know. Is he? I think he wants to. Mm. He's allowed, isn't he? I don't know. Oh, come on. He was delightful. No, he is. He's wonderful. I tease him. Hey, we only mention that show and tease them because it's one of the ones I actually listen to. And uh, it, it's it's just it's just so easy to make fun of Elric. He, and he takes it so well. So, you know. Hey, at least Elric gets mentioned by name in the show. That other co-host, we haven't even mentioned him. There's another co-host. <laughs> God. Oh, we are such <laughs> cuckoo. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I think we'll call it a life here. So, yeah. So, uh, do the credits. Yeah. Well, we're going to do, like I said, uh, we're doing definitely next episode is the year end wrap up at the end of the year. Um, and then we may do it first episode of the of next year do the clean up but we may not because there's so many books and i kind of want to cover some of that we may just come back to this a little later but if you're one of those people who started just when you started playing aos or you weren't one who cared much about the lore i hope you found this interesting i love this stuff and uh, one of the reasons i really love this stuff is because it this just shows you Age of Sigmar, you know, they just scrapped 30 years of history and threw it all away to start a new game. Well, not really. This this game is built on the bones of that old game. And it's really, 
as, as and as we finish this, you'll see it, it's it's just a continuation in a new place because the the place they were living they just couldn't keep no more. It's kind of mm-hmm. like Interstellar, only without all the 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 brain bending space stuff. Okay, <laughs> I haven't seen Interstellar, so oh, see, you got to because it's Chris Nolan and he hasn't made a bad movie yet, except. Well, I mean that last Batman movie. Even I had trouble with that one, but okay, that wasn't whoa, whoa. his fault, right, buddy. Buddy, hang on. So I want to make sure I'm processing this here. You don't like Scooby Doo? No, because Scooby Doo is awful. But that's that's neither here nor there. No, 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 no. Hang on. So you don't like Scooby Doo? You didn't like The Dark Knight Rises? I I got really questions about you now, but. Interesting. Interesting. You're liking something that I don't like. This is this is you're you're usually the I don't like things guy. So that's oh, look at this. We we don't have time for this now. We can't, we cannot unpack this now. We could do a whole episode about why you're wrong about Scooby Doo. But mm. it would be a very short episode. It would be like, "Hi, here's the episode. I'm not wrong." There okay. Here's Scooby Doo. Oh, look. Something weird's happening. Oh, look. Hi. Introduce you to this guy who just walks through for like five seconds and is gone the whole rest of the episode. Guess what? That's the guy. It's always that guy. It's not always it's that always guy. That guy. And it's always that guy. And then, and, then, uh, and then if it's a really big mystery, like Kiss might show up or the Harlem Globetrotters or the or or Batman. Batman has shown. Hey, shut up. Um, and then he was on there. Yeah, I know. Everybody was on there. They met the Adams family. A couple or, times. Yeah. Okay. And then it, it promotes drug use because you know Shaggy was always... Know? Oh, come on. Yeah, but it doesn't overtly say... Oh, come on. Anyone over 10 knew Shaggy was high all the time. The guy, you know he's got half a joint in his pocket. He never changes his clothes. He's got that scraggly beard. None of the he's kids ever the... changed their clothes. Yes, but no. everyone else's clothes were clean. Shaggy was a hot mess. He spoke. He talks to the dog. He eats... Dog treats, and he dresses the dog up in little little costumes, and they put on shows for the ghosts who aren't ghosts. It's the guy who walked through in the beginning of the episode. <laughs> God, and like at six, I was like, "This is dumb." Oh, I hate Scooby Doo. Ugh, why do you get me on these rants? I try to be positive. I'm, this show is becoming so negative. It's like we're becoming some other podcast and not us, not the positive cast we want to be. But I tell you what, Scooby-Doo positively sucks, and that's what we're going to end this one on. I want to thank all of the Patreon patrons, uh, including our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and our newest associate producer, Lance Pear, and our executive producer, Colin Miller. Thank you all, once again, for becoming part of the almost 1% who make this possible. If you are interested in supporting Garage Hammer, uh, you can go to our support page and just make a one-time donation. Oh, you know what? Someone did that, too. I almost forgot. We did get just a straight-up donation from uh, Tim Nelson. So thank you, Tim, for for helping out the show and keeping things going here. Um, but if you're interested in that, like I said, check out patreon.com slash garage. And once again, thank you to everyone, past, present, and future, who are part of this uh, for us. All right, Alex, uh, you got me ranting and raving for no good reason about Scooby-Doo. Um, 
And you apparently like Scooby-Doo, which is just, we've switched roles here, but that's not the point. The point is we're going to wrap this up, uh, finish up episode 230. Wow, 230 episodes. Gee whiz. Um, And we will be back in two weeks with the GW Year in Review. Alex? Dave? Good show. Lots of info. So much good info. You've got all this down. Too. That's amazing how much you just of this knowledge you just have sitting there. So we will finish. That's this actually the uh, first bit of like awards that I actually earned in this hobby was I won two years consecutive the Lore Master Challenge at Adepticon. Really? Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, the first two like actual trophies I well plaques I earned. Um, at Adapticon, were from background. Okay, so here I am doing a show with you, thinking I'm the lore guy, and you're the tabletop how to play guy because you win a lot more than I do. Turns out you're the lore guy and the how to win guy. That's crazy. So what am I even here for? I'm here. I'm here for enthusiasm. I'm here just apparently for the manic energy because Alex can do both parts of this apparently on his own. It's bananas. Well, I mean, I can't, but it's just there's a lot in this brain noodle that I can't unpack all the time. So, well, I'm glad you're unpacking your brain noodle with us to done this because this is this was uh, like I, I I'd forgotten about some of these things you were bringing up. Uh, it's so much fun to, to to sort of go over the old lore and see how rich it was. Um, that doesn't make it any better than the current lore. It just literally makes it its grandfather. So, mm-hmm. so there we go. So I think we're going to end that on that end this on that note. Get done here and uh, get back to uh, get back to hobbying until we can do the uh, wrap up episode. So, folks, until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall, and only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hand. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes, or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at GarageHammer. And Alex, that's me, is at SomeKindOfGeek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at SoundCloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the GarageHammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums, that's tga.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.